everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Cottonmouth Club Presents, which is our new podcast which deals with a couple things. One, bar spirits, hospitality, cocktails, anything anything that kind of fits inside the realm of what are bars, especially in the United States, but definitely around the world. And we're also doing some other fun stuff, uh, and this is an example. For those of you who have been listening, this is part three of uh, Max Brand's short story, Gunman's Bluff. Read by our own Danny Furness in his twangy Texas baritone. Fuego! <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> so let's get uh, let's get going. Before before we do get going, though, I want to remind everybody we are bartenders and we do work for tips. If you like what we're doing, then uh, you know, why don't you throw a dollar or two in our tip jar? It's over at Venmo. Look for the Cottonmouth Club dash staff. That's the Cottonmouth Club dash staff. Uh, every dollar that we raise goes to our staff to keep them in food and you know whatever whatever essentials are necessary for us to get through the next however long until we can get back to what we usually do which is make you cocktails so like i said anything is helpful so let's get to it gunman's bluff uh let's uh let's see what danny has to say about it. part three coming up Looking back, he could see it slide over hill and valley, 
while the voice of the storm began to reach him. Then an occasional rattle of raindrops that made him unstrap the slicker and put it on. Small whirlpools of dust formed over the trail, blew toward him, expanded, and dissolved. The whole sky was darkened. By this time, the dust that had been sun-widened was now gray, speckled with black. The acrid smell of it under the rain joined with the wet of the grass. A troop of crows flew low over a hill, flapping their wings in clumsy haste, and dived into a heavy copse. Then the heart of the storm came over Old Smokey and blotted it out to the feet. Behind that running wall of shadow, glistening with the streaks and sheeted rain, Cheyenne could still draw accurately the picture of the mountains. But it was time to get to shelter. The long southward slant of the range showed the force of the wind that had hitherto reached him only in occasional gusts. He remembered a near-guy cave that as a boy he had often explored and made for it now. The brush at its entrance had grown taller in the years since he had last seen the cave. His mustang held back, snoring and suspicious at that mouth of darkness. But a heavy cannon shot of thunder, followed by a drum roll of distant echoes, drove her forward into Pendleton's cave. Then the rain fell against the cliff face, like wall against wall, an unending roar of ruin. Jets of light sprang from heaven to earth. The brush at the cave mouth flashed from blurred shadow into flat silhouette and back again. Hail came, blast on billowing blast of it, making the cave icy cold in a breath or two. So Cheyenne got the little hand axe out of a saddle pack and chopped down some brush. When he used his right hand, the blade kept turning. Once, the force of the stroke knocked the tool out of his nerveless grasp, and his heart sickened as he began to work with his left hand only. There was no sense, no power of direction in that hand, yet it was surer than the right. It seemed to Cheyenne that half his brain had resided in the exquisite precision, the delicate touch of that hand. Now half of his brain was gone. Awkwardly, he managed to get a fire going in the cave. He was standing before it, his hand stretched toward the warmth, when outside a horse whinnied through the thunder roll. Hoofbeats came cracking over the rocks. Cheyenne, now at the mouth of the cave, saw the misty figure of a rider heading toward him. Lightning poured down on the night, cracking the sky with jagged rent, and the rider swayed to the left, suddenly shrinking. Cheyenne wondered at that. Riders of the hill trails were not usually ones to fear lightning. But the speed of the horse rushed this stranger into his vision, and he saw at once that it was a girl. She swung out of the saddle and ducked forward as though not rain but bullets were showering around her. Her horse came right in behind her. It went over and touched noses with Cheyenne's Mustang, while the girl threw back her dripping slicker and crouched down instantly beside the fire. She was in a blue funk. She seemed to think that the fire would give her protection from the lightning. The hands she held over the warmth she lifted as extra shields against those sky-ripping thunderbolts. Cheyenne looked down on her with infinite disapproval. Women had never entered a page of his life except for a sentence or two. If he went to a dance, it was because there was an excitement in the air, and whiskey, and music, and many men with the look of adventure in their eyes. He held his dancing partners lightly, both with the hand and with his heart. He felt he knew a lot about girls, and he had always thought them both weak and foolish. When Cheyenne looked down upon this girl who had sought refuge from the storm, he saw that she had all the weakness of her sex. Her eyes were not bad because they were the blue of a mountain lake, although they do. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> just, just get through. All right, all right, all right. 
When Cheyenne looked down upon this girl who had sought refuge from the storm, he saw that she had all the weakness of her sex. Her eyes were not bad because they were the blue of a mountain lake, although they were foolishly large. Her lips had not yet been stiffened and straightened by the labors, the dangers, and pains of life. Her mouth was softly curving like the mouth of a child. Her first words revealed all her weakness in one breath. Isn't it terrible, she said, and sobbed in fright. And Cheyenne, with mounting contempt in his heart, suddenly found his thoughts journeying inward through his own soul. The lightning out of the sky filled her with fear. Yet he, like the coward he had become, was ready to run away from the lightning that came from the eyes of angry men. This thought staggered and sickened him. The stature of his soul was no greater than that of the trembling girl beside him, and, if he gave her comfort now, it was a cheap gift from a weak nature. Take a break. If you like what you're hearing, give some love to our tip jar on Venmo at the Cottonmouth Club. If you staff. like what you're hearing, give some love to our tip jar at Venmo Cottonmouth Club staff. Thanks. Go on and get. No, go on get. Now you go on and get now. <laughs>